when God comes, because see, it's three angels who come, but it's the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit, three persons in one, coming to meet with Abraham. So these three men are God himself meeting with, because he calls him my Lord. He doesn't address angels like that. And so the first place is that he recognises God's presence. The second point is that he develops and has a conscience awareness now. In verse 2, he sa- in verse um, 3, he says, Now, my Lord, if I have found favour in your sight, do not pass on by. Please let a little water be bought to wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I'll bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. There's quite a gratefulness. He recognises that God has come to his servant. But he also goes and prepares food. Second point, he has a conscious awareness. Not only does he welcome God into his tent and enthusiastically welcomes him, but he has a conscious awareness about God as he goes about doing whatever it is he's doing. He's gone to prepare the food. He's going to make a big meal so they can celebrate. But he's aware. Let me ask you, are you aware that whatever you do during the day, as you go about your day, are you aware of his presence? Have you fostered, have you cultivated that awareness in your life? You know, you can do that. I can remember when I first got saved, it was very easy just to go about your day and come Sunday you'd go, oh yeah, God, and you'd go to church and you'd think I'd celebrate. Pentecostals, I think, uh, sometimes consider you know, um, the experience of God as a Sunday thing. But see, the experience of God should be a daily thing. Being conscious of his presence as you go to work. And there's ways, you know, we're still on the theme of spiritual disciplines. These are spiritual disciplines that we can glean from Abraham. Abraham is the father of faith. How Abraham does things is important to us because we can learn. So here it is. In the beginning, in point one, Abraham notices doing all the talking. But then he goes and says, you've come to me. I'm so grateful that you're here. I'm so grateful I've got, I can go out and I can kill some lambs and, and some beef and I'm going to make a feast. He's grateful in this sense. You know, are you grateful every day? Cultivating his presence. You can go on and um, be aware of him during the day. Point three. He says, They said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried to the tent, in verse 6, and said, quickly, make make ready three measures of meals. And Abraham ran to the herd, took good calf, gave it to the young man, prepared it. Verse 8, he took butter and milk and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. No need for words. Just together, stood by them under the tree as they ate. Good thing with God, just like you would sit with your loved one in the house, sometimes no need for words, just together, just being together. It's a powerful thing just being together. We're made to be together. And here is Abraham just with God while he eats And then 
Point four. I told you it would be quick. God speaks. Now he says, where is your wife? And the talking begins. You know, it's very important in this relationship. He rushes and he enjoys his presence. He becomes aware of his presence. And he's doing the talking in the beginning. But now he just rests with them while they eat. And then God says, where is your wife? Now God starts to speak. When you build a relationship with somebody, you know, you have those seasons where you're talking, but you have those seasons where you're just together. And it's important to listen. So it is with our relationship with God, I think as Christians, it's very easy for us to be busy doing. It's be very busy for us to come to God with our petition. We do the talking. But where's the time where we just stop while we listen and we wait? Disciplines, things that we can do to, to build our relationship with God. God's presence, being aware of it, is so important. But if you don't build and cultivate that, then when the voice when God's voice wants to speak, you're not really paying attention. I, you know, I have one of these husbands that is always busy, always thinking. And so he's got three things going on all at once, usually. Multitasking. I thought that was women's jobs, actually. You know, anyway, no, no. Anyway, always thinking, always doing. So when it comes to hearing, you know, the voice, it's like, Blah, 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 blah. And I'll just be talking away and I'll say, silence. And I go, Peter. Thank you, sweetheart. I need it, though. And I'll be going, did you hear me? What? 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 Now, none of you girls experience that with your men, have you? You know, you chatter away and you're just thinking, this is awesome. You know, I've got this great, you know, I get a great revelation. I'm sitting there telling Peter all about it and the next thing he goes, what? What would you say? Yeah. When we listen, make sure we get their attention. I sometimes think just being aware of God and just coming into his presence, we often miss what God has to say because we're too busy. You've got to just create some space. Make some time. And God says, I wonder whether this is God's throwaway line, where is your wife, Sarah? <laughs> and then he goes, he said, here in the tent, verse 10, and he said, I will certainly return to you. And he starts to unfold the promise. And he said, see, it's in his presence when he starts to speak, God wants to unveil his promise to you. And he starts to say to him, you're going to have a child. And, of course, Sarah hears this. And how old is Sarah? Yeah, no, whatever age. This is early in the piece. So I took 25 years for this child to come. I just want you to know that, that um, because I've preached a story on this, that it wasn't until Abraham actually started to speak it out of his mouth that the promise came actually within a year. But it took him 44, 24 years to actually finally get the word into, the, into him before he could believe. But when he spoke it, because faith is what you believe in your heart and what you speak with your mouth. So it takes a long time for us to listen and get it into us. And then when we speak, it creates. So when they said you're going to have a child, when Abraham actually partnered with God and started to speak by faith, that child came almost instantly, within a year. But half the trouble that God has is not with the promise of God being manifest. It's with us partnering with God in faith. 
So time was given. Another point it says here in verse um, 12, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I've grown old, shall I too have pleasure, my Lord also being old? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, I shall surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for me? Is anything too hard for the Lord, he says. At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And look at God's response here. He says, no, but you did laugh. There's no chiding here for her lack of faith. When In the spirit realm, what you even think of, God knows. Because her thought straight away, she had a bad thought. Ever had a bad thought? Straight away, God knows. You know, and we think, oh, you know, I can't say that. You know, can I tell you that God already knows your thoughts even before you speak them? And so in the spirit world, it's transparent. I remember hearing a great story about a man called George Ritchie, and it's called Return Return from Tomorrow. And Peter's mother had this little book in her library. And it's only about this thick. But he died for nine minutes, George Ritchie. And he, it was during the Second World War and he was, about to be, um, he was about to be sent home for Christmas. But he got the flu and it turned to pneumonia and he got really sick and he was in the army bed. And what happened was that he's relaying this whole experience. He dies of pneumonia. And his spirit, his self, his spirit self, is still alive and All he wanted to do was get home for Christmas. So the next thing, his thought, because he thought it, remember, thoughts are spirits. So because he thought it, straight away, George Ritchie's heading home. And he's he's flying through the air and he thought it was a bit strange that all the bushes were underneath him. Anyway, he didn't think much of it. All he wanted to do was get home for Christmas. And he's zooming along and he suddenly realises, he said, I don't know where I'm going. Straight away, he came down, his spirit came down in the middle of this town. And he's standing there and he's thinking, I'll just ask directions for the way home. Now, this is his spirit, his body's back in the hospital in the morgue. And he's going, I have to ask somebody. So he goes to ask somebody and the next thing they walk straight through him. And he couldn't understand what was happening. So he's trying to think about it and he says, I'll just, and he leans against a post to think about this experience and he falls through the post. And he became aware that I think I'm dead. <laughs> Took him a little while to figure out that he actually died. And so he's going, but if I'm dead, I can't contact anybody. How am I going to find my way home? And then he said the strangest search began. He said, I realised I had to go back and find my body. And he said, the strange search for myself began. Because he said, I didn't know what I looked like. (laughs) And all he could remember was he had his fraternity ring on his hand. And he said, I'll find the fraternity ring. And of course, he goes back. As soon as he thinks it, he starts heading back to the morgue to find his body. And you can read the story. All that to say that thoughts are transparent 
And God is aware of your thoughts even before you say them. So the good, it would be a good thing to actually just be honest with God about where you're at, how you're feeling, whether you're going through your fears and your doubts, everything about COVID. Talk to God and be transparent and honest with God. And um, he said, I love this because he didn't chide Sarah for her bad thought. I love that about God. God will not chide you for a bad thought. He knows them. He just says it's okay. He says to Sarah, no, but she did laugh. And on he goes. He said it didn't change the promise. Point six. It says God is the revealer of secrets. Now, what happens here? God's having this conversation with with, um, Abraham. Abraham's listening. The promise has been... Um, given to him, the personal promise. God will speak to you personally in these seasons. This is what he wants to do. And he goes, now uh, God looks at Father, Son and Holy Ghost, have a conversation. Verse 16, the men rose from there, looked towards Sodom and Abraham, went with them and to send them on their way. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? So God asked the question of the, of the Holy Spirit, the Son, and he says, should I, perhaps I should reveal to, um, to Abraham what I'm doing because he's about to go to Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And we know what happens at Sodom. And he says, hmm, since, this is why he says he'll do it, since Abraham was surely, shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. And that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he had spoken him. Now, I think it's quite amazing. He already knows the heart of Abraham and he says, I'm going to reveal my secrets to this man because I know he seeks righteousness and justice. I know that he is a man that will teach his family the ways of the Lord. He already knows this. God already knows the hearts of man, right? And he says, I'm going to reveal to him what to do. And the interesting thing here, he says, he asks, um, and here now starts the whole section of petition. So you've got this relationship, this unfolding relationship. The presence of God comes to Abraham and Abraham talks to God briefly and then there's just this enjoying of his presence and then God starts to speak and he reveals the promise to him. And then he says, now, shall I tell him what I'm going to do so that he may now partner with me and perhaps through righteous petition and prayer change the course of history, you know? The righteous, because there starts the prayer of of what I liked about Abraham when he tells him Abraham's wise enough to, um, when he comes to God, to realise that he shouldn't just speak. He asks him a question. And he said in verse 25, Shall not the judge of the earth do right? In verse 23, Abraham comes near and he said, Would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Here is Abraham now, you know, as, as you know, we're, we're children of Abraham. Here he now has that privilege of partnering with God and saying, you know, 
shall you not do right? Here you're about to go and destroy Sodom, but surely would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? Here is the the role of the church. Here is the role of you and me. You're not just born for his presence to hear him speak. You're born to petition him and to pray that his name would be honoured in the earth and that the righteous would not be destroyed with the wicked. We have a job to do. Your life is not your own, as Tim amazingly said in his testimony. You have been called to stand before God and have this conversation with him and intercede for the righteous to be delivered. That's your job. He didn't just save Abraham for no reason. He said, I'm going to birth nations out of you. What's God going to do in you? He wants to birth something in you. He wants your children, your generations to come through you. And he offers you this invitation to come into his presence, to hear his voice, to have the promise unveiled to you personally, and then petition for others. It's not just about you. I think sometimes the church is just caught and stuck on that point that it's about me and my prayers. No, God has said we're here to deliver the righteous from the wicked and to bring the kingdom of God on earth. Your job is not just that you would just um, find God and be blessed. It's that you would find God, take the promise of God for you because he says of Abraham, he said, I'm going to birth a nation out of you. You're going to train your children and your children's children. And God wants that for you. We have the mind of Christ. Together, the church, we are a body. Together, we, we don't just do one thing alone. We bring others. The interesting thing is in verse 27, when Abraham, when Abraham actually says and asks that question, would you destroy the righteous with the wicked? He doesn't come in telling God what to do. He comes in humbly and he asks God, really? But your name, what will they think of your name? Abraham, Moses said that. He said, what will they say? What will the nation say? If you go and destroy the Israelites, you brought them out of Egypt. If you go and destroy them, what will the other nations say about your name? And he says, verse 27, Abraham answered and he said, God said, if, he said, if I find 50 righteous in the city, then I'll save the city. And he goes on, Abraham answered and said, oh Lord, I who am but dust and ashes, have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. And in verse 29, he speaks again. And in verse 31, he says, I've taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. And in verse 32, he goes, oh, Lord, do not be angry, but can I speak to you once more? Here is a man who comes to God with with gratefulness and humility It's not just declaring the promises of God. This is a man who understood that when he comes, I think we forget this. I think charismatic church very often stands up and says, I'm a child of God and I have the promises and this is mine, blah, blah, blah. And I think sometimes we forget that little part. We need to realise we're nothing but dust and ashes and need to come to God humbly before him and say, Lord, I recognise you are the God of the earth and we're having this conversation. Will you not move on on, um, the behalf of people in the world to rescue the righteous and deliver them from the hands of the wicked? Because in the end, it's more, it's not just about you, it's about more than you. As I close, you know, I just want us to realise 
how God saw Abraham. God saw Abraham as a mighty nation. He saw him as a righteous man, one who was just and righteous, as one who would command his family to keep the way of the Lord. But yet Abraham saw himself gratefully as only dust and ashes. He said, this God would come to my tent and through relationship with me, if I just spend time with him, I'll hear his voice and he'll speak to me, not only for myself, but he'll talk to me and then I can petition him for the lives of others. That's a great thought, that his humility, he realised he's not just here for himself. Paul said, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Your life is more than just for you. You're here to pray for others and bring them and bring the blessings that would come on Abraham onto others as well. God's promise and his voice are not the same thing. Develop an awareness of God daily. Use sh simple, short disciplines. Things like when you get in, wake up in the morning, say, good morning, Lord. When you're in the shower, just talk to him. When you get in the car, just pray. Just do simple things as you go about your life. Spirituality is not about having an hour with God every day. It's about including God in everything that you do throughout the day. Be honest with God when you're in struggling. Listen to his voice and partner with him. 